thank you for listening to this Exploring ASD podcast with the Northern Trust. My name is Joanne Murphy and I'm a senior ASD therapist in the Paediatric ASD service. I'm currently involved in delivering intervention to support young people with ASD as well as diagnostic assessments. I'm joined by my colleague Kira. Kira, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello Joanne, I'm Kira, and I'm a specialist speech and language therapist and I've worked within autism services for over 10 years. I hold a similar role to Joanne and um, being involved in both diagnostic assessments and intervention. Thanks Kira. Today's podcast tale is School Transitions. Our choice is based on concerns parents have voiced around going back to school in September, moving class or moving school. September brings a lot of change and new things and this presents many young people with ASD with lots of challenges. There is a resource to support this booklet that can be obtained by emailing the Paediatric ASD service. If you let staff know whether your child is in primary or secondary school, the appropriate booklet can be forwarded. We'll make reference to this booklet throughout the podcast. Kira, can you explain for parents at home what we mean by transitions? Well, a dictionary definition of transition is the process of changing from one state or condition to another. Transitions occur throughout the day and require us to stop an activity. And why is it young people with ASD would struggle with transitions? Some young people with ASD are more likely to have set or established patterns of behaviour and these behaviours may be in place to predict their day and manage their anxiety therefore may be difficult to disrupt an activity and this creates difficulties for transitions to a new activity. Other people with ASD often find social imagination challenging. This means using previous social experiences to predict what the next situation will be like. Sometimes all or nothing thinking has a part to play. This means not being able to generalise previous experiences to what the next similar experience might be. They may not be aware of what the expectations are and what is expected of them. Some young people may struggle due to past negative experiences. So this is the all or nothing thinking. The last time I was at school was terrible, therefore the next time will be equally as terrible. Other young people have a strong need to finish what they have started in a highly specific way before they can move on. There are other changes that can be a challenge, uh, such as moving from one environment to another, such as one that has a different level of noise. Joanne, have you any more to say about that? Absolutely. So that's a very important point. Um, Some young people with ASD have difficulties processing sensory information and they may struggle to adapt and change to a new environment. A change in the sensory environment can prove difficult, such as moving from a cosy, quiet home to a noisy, bright environment or to a different classroom with many smells. We know many young people with ASD have special interests and they may struggle or become upset moving away from this activity and moving on to a less preferred one. It's worth considering that children for the best part of the day are directed by adults in their life and this reduces choice and control over daily routines and activities and can also impact on transitions. We know from research and experience that change and unpredictability create uncertainty for young people with ASD. Not only can it overwhelm them, but it can also create a source of anxiety, and this then will activate the flight, fight or freeze response. 
Kira, what about the language associated with transitions? Is there anything we need to highlight? Certainly, Joanne. With transition, multi-step instructions usually come with them. Aside from the language used, your young person may have missed out many of the transitional cues that are available around them, such as watching other people increase their activity or start to gather the belongings together that would be required for going outdoors, getting the car keys, for example. They miss the cues that actually maybe a change is about to happen. So whenever you do cue your young person in to say, it's time to go now, it becomes a bolt out of the blue because they've missed all those social cues that have indicated that this is about to happen. Aside from that, there is um, a thing called executive functioning, which is a cognitive process that allows us to self-organise shift attention and self-monitor. Executive functioning is an area many neurodiverse young people struggle with. So for a young child, this could be difficulties just shifting attention from one thing to another. For an older child, this could be difficulties with self-organisation, such as finding their belongings in a short period of time or having difficulties with problem solving. So for example, whenever said item is not where they expected it to be. When a child is moving on to another activity, even to one that is more enjoyable than the one that they're currently doing, the stress around ending one activity and planning for the next one is where the difficulty comes in that is linked to the executive functioning. If your child is having difficulty with transitions, you could think about some of the possible reasons that we have just mentioned as to why your young person is struggling with transitions. It could be one or many of them. What about the transitions that we know that are coming, Joanne? There are many transitions that we know our young people are going to encounter. So these transitions are predictable, such as going to primary school, going into a new class, and moving to secondary school. These are predictable transitions, and they can be broken down and planned for. The rhythm of everyone's house changes from the school term to the summer holidays. Whilst this is important to have some downtime, these subtle changes can impact on the transition back to school. As the summer comes to an end, some will be in planning mode and planning and preparing for September and focusing on getting ready for the return to school and maybe re-establishing a bedtime routine at this time. Whilst dollars will be enjoying their last few days of freedom by taking a trip to the beach or going to the zoo, Depending on your young person, consideration may be needed as to how best to prepare them for that transition, because for some, routine is absolutely crucial, and for others, going deep diving as a special interest could be just as beneficial and rewarding. We now know transitions can be difficult, so how can we help our young people to manage transitions as a life skill? Parents are in a good position to teach these skills that young people can take into adulthood that will enable them to manage and adapt to all our transitions that they will encounter throughout their life. The more experiences with support the young people have of transitions, the easier they will eventually become. Although it's tempting, avoiding transitions is not a functional long-term strategy. So helping our young people to adapt to the uncomfortableness of change is within their best interests. The more transitions they do, the more familiar and easier they will become. We know change is difficult, 
So what can we do, Kira, to support our young people? There are many strategies available and getting the correct strategy at the right time is important and consistency and follow through is essential. Starting the second or third week of August, there's a few things that I would prioritise. First of all, I would think about a countdown calendar. Cross off the days as they go by, either on an app on a phone or a whiteboard or a simple grid drawing. 10 more days to school, 9 more days to school, that type of thing. Set daily reminders on your phone. Many calendar apps will have a mechanism for you to do this. Whiteboards which are available on Amazon, B&M or just a hand-drawn calendar will be suffice. Think about introducing gentle boundaries around access and devices such as turn-off times or limited access such as not available until after lunch. Try to have it mimic the school day if you can. So for example if your young person is in school to 2 or 3 p.m. maybe you don't allow access to the device till after that. For younger children a social story can be really really helpful and can be effective throughout primary school. There is sample social stories within the transition booklet that we mentioned at the start of this podcast. The social stories would not be suitable for adolescents, but I like uh, social narratives and they can be really useful. So that's just talking through the steps in a logical sequence and repeating this daily. You may not get any feedback from your young person. Persist with it and repeat daily because they will be listening. Another good idea would be to speak to your school about a possible visit before all pupils return to possibly meet the new teacher, see the new classroom or meet the form teacher. What about moving to post-primary school, Joanne? Moving to a post-primary school can be a daunting experience for many and preparation is key. A good starting point is to research the school with your young person. You can look at the school website to become familiar with not only the teaching staff but also the support staff. Viewing images of the school online if available will also help and enable your child to become familiar with what their new school environment is going to look like. If available, exploring an orientation map of the school will be beneficial and looking at the template of the timetable to open discussions around how long classes are going to be and potentially some classes being doubled. This is going to allow your child to know what to expect. It's a good idea to have a conversation about their feelings around possible subjects occurring in the same day. You could explore what their dream timetable or worst timetable might look like. The only purpose of this conversation is to bring school conversation to the forefront of their mind and prepare them for the fact that there's going to be more than one subject. Discuss how there will be protected time for each subject and keep it positive as classes they don't like are going to be anxiety provoking. Another big change from the primary school is having to move classrooms which needs to be discussed to prepare your child. Adapting from one class to another can be stressful and there are other subtle changes such as a new teacher with a different approach that needs to be explored. Every school is different and will have a different way to manage the transition. So talk to a key person and how they can facilitate an easier transition for your child. Is there anything additional that needs to be considered about getting to school, Kira? Yes, the journey to school can be a very stressful one, and if you have a young person who is in mid or late primary school, you may have had many difficult journeys. Over the summer, even the final two, three weeks of August, 
I would still do a practice run of the journey, even though you stopped that just in June, have a go again. Uh, have a go in public transport if you need to and do the bus routes and change overs if there is a way to do that. If you're driving, do the journey with the calming toolkit. Um, if you listen to a, another podcast we have recorded around emotional regulation, there will be some ideas around that. When it comes to the uniform, hang the uniform up somewhere where it is visible, somewhere that your young person can see it every day. I think it's a good idea to wash it once or twice to soften the fabric and to get it smelling like other clothes that they wear. Shoes and socks, if there is a requirement for certain types of school sock or trouser, have them as an option to wear over the summer. I know we like our new crisp uniform, but trying to soften it would be really beneficial to a young person. In terms of getting school supplies, this can be a huge motivator for some young people. Some young people really like getting their pens and pencils and colouring in things and organising them as they see fit. Selecting bags and pencil cases, this can bookend buying a uniform, for example. It's not too early to discuss the after-school plans. So, for example, who is going to do pick-up on which day? For some of you, that is the same person every day, such as a parent or a grandparent. For others, it may change between extended family due to many other work commitments that you may have. Think about what clubs they may be able to access, what activities they can continue, such as music, or what activities they may pause, such as art camp. It's not too early to start thinking about lunches either. Absolutely, Kira. As lots of young people with ASD have sensory sensitivities around food and restrictive eating practices, so coming up with lunch ideas can present with its own challenges and lunch options need to be discussed have conversations around what would they like or not like. It may help to make a shopping list for lunch with your child. If you have access to the school dinner menu, this is something that could be explored and some schools do forward them out prior to the start of term. You could plan out which days your child would prefer lunch over dinner. If eating in school is a problem, make sure to have some food items as part of the cam and tool kit and have options available to them whenever they get home from school. It's important to note that worry and anxiety can also reduce the hunger cues. Now is a good time to start practising calming strategies. Even though your child may be in a calm state, it's vital to build the habit of practising into their day. A useful tool is to set reminders on your phone, to build strategies into their daily schedule, such as upon wakening, pick a calming strategy, to repeat and build it into the routine. There are common strategies within the transitional booklet that can be referred to. For older children and teenagers, common apps may be a more suitable choice, such as Headspace or Cam, which can be accessed frequently before school commences. We are striving for regulation all day, every day. Often we don't notice the passing of time, and next it'll be the week before school. Is there anything to be mindful of or what needs to happen at this stage, Kira? You might notice a change in your young person's behaviour. That will look different for each young person and you will know what is different and what is not. The build-up and the worry might become an issue. Yes, it will be uncomfortable for them to think about school, but slip it into conversation at least once per day. They may close down conversation or refuse to engage in it 
so pick your moments and persist gently. School should have provided all the information necessary for starting, such as dates and times. We can start with more of the specifics. Write out a plan or figure out a colour code for the timetable. We could try to mimic school routines around bedtime and wake-up time. Now is a good idea to set an alarm and try to stick to it. Even if the kids are just getting up early to watch TV in their pyjamas, the process of getting up early will be a beneficial one. Continue with the social story, social narratives or discussions that you started last week. It's so important we allow our child to acknowledge the feelings around going back to school. Whilst you may want to tell your young person that everything is going to be okay, it's important that you discuss that they may experience uncomfortable emotions and these will reduce with time. Get a cam and toolkit together for the journey to and from school. And for older children, work on a music playlist for the journey. You could pick five songs and save them. Organising belongings is also very important. Having a clearly marked space for clean uniforms, where to get, and pack school bags. Parents could link in with school. If they feel that their child has additional needs that school will need to be aware of, it's important that this is communicated to school. Making a September schedule would provide your child with a snapshot of the month. For example, mark down school days, non-school days and other notable events. Make a list of key people and their roles. If possible, you could include pictures, who you can talk to both at home and at school. The night before school will be a mix of excitement and anxiety for others. Yes, the night before nerves are very real. Some will be buzzing to get back to school and some will have the fear. There'll be lots of last minute nerves the night before going back to school and this is to be expected. This is a good time to continue to practice your emotional regulation strategies mentioned before in the booklet and do some breathing techniques. It is not the time to introduce them for the first time. Please resist. If you haven't done them before now, please don't start right now. Try saying positive affirmations with your child or have them written down on little post-its and put them somewhere that your young person can see. Reinforce positive thoughts and self-calming statements such as, I will have a good day tomorrow. Getting your child to think of three things that are good about school, such as seeing their friends, doing their favourite subjects, could be useful as well. It may be an idea to do an enjoyable and calming activity that doesn't overstimulate your young person, such as having a movie night before school, watching their favourite film or possibly getting a, their favourite takeaway in preparation for the next day. It's an idea to have a way to capture worries, such as a worry monster for young children and writing them down and discussing them with an older child. Emotional regulation strategies are good, but the practical strategies are as equally important here. And there are many practical ideas that we can put into place like having a checklist of what we need to remember for school. You could have a morning visual schedule ready if that strategy works particularly well for your child. Visual schedules can make the morning more predictable, create structure and make the child aware of what's happening next and also reduce anxiety. Having the uniform set out, including socks and underwear and having the lunch prepared with your child, if possible, as last minute rushing, it creates a sense of panic and it's best if this can be avoided. Parents can visualise how they see the morning turning out and not only consider, but have a plan of what they will do if their child says they're not going to school. Transitional objects can be useful for many. Set out a small pocket-sized transitional object to take to school. This will be individual to the child, 
It could be a photo, something that feels nice, a Lego figure, a lucky coin, or a special bracelet for an older teenager. The transitional object needs to be meaningful to the person. It's important to recognise how a good night's sleep is vital to enhance the well-being of the young person and help them manage the day ahead. Although we cannot take a good night's sleep for granted, as many young people with ASD struggle with the transition of getting to sleep, and there are more strategies available on our sleep podcast. Regardless of when we get over to sleep, the morning seems to come too quick. Kira, can you talk us through some tips that can help for the morning of school? So the morning of our first day back to school, try to reinforce some of the self-calming strategies to start the day out calmly. Your child may be very likely to experience some of the uncomfortableness and may be in the fight, flight or freeze mode. Whilst this is difficult to watch, it will reduce with time and try to stick with it. This is so important. Be mindful of your own reactions and responses. There will be morning time pressure and other time pressures and if you get overwhelmed, this will have a knock-on effect with your child. Be mindful of your language and don't be afraid of silences. Remember, there will be lots of pressures on their communication systems throughout the school day. Being silently present may be the type of support your young child needs. Parents ideally should try a low arousal approach to promote a calm state in the house as a whole. You could refer to the podcast, Why Does My Child Go From Not to 100 to support you in this regard. Children may be very vocal that they don't want to school. This may present as whiny behaviour, snappy comments, excessive eye rolls or talking back, such as, why do I have to go to school? And where possible, I would try to resist the temptation of getting into an exchange with your child about these things. This is not the time or morning to discuss the laws around school or their attitude. It is best to ignore low-level grumpiness, attitude or whining. As soon as you say stop it, you're engaging in an interaction that will get heightened really quickly. What you can do instead is validate your child's feelings Comment that you understand that this is difficult for them and it won't be like this forever. Try to remember validation of feelings, then reassurance. You can use an emotion chart if this works well for your child. We've mentioned the calming toolkit before and it may be beneficial in the morning. What else would you recommend for the morning of going to school, Joanne? It would be useful um, to think about your individual family dynamics. If you have more than one child who needs support in the morning, Think about staggered wake times and allowing one child calm and space while you provide another child with support. Maybe you and your partner can adjust work schedules on a short-term basis so that both are available in the morning, although only if this is helpful. Or perhaps you could recruit someone else, such as a granny or a neighbour. If your child struggles with transitions and finds it hard to turn off the TV or come off their iPad, It may be best not to introduce them as part of the morning routine. Although you know your child best, and if 10 minutes on the the Nintendo Switch will help motivate them for school, then this may be uh, more appropriate. Ensure you have the visual schedule you prepared somewhere that your child can see it. Check they have their transitional object if needed for school, and this will help them get through the day. Be mindful younger children may have comfort items such as teddies or blankets that are harder to pocket. 
and this can cause stress if misplaced. Therefore, it's wise to pick the item carefully. Ensure the child's teacher is aware of their transitional object. Despite the best effort of parents, some young people with ASD, it will remain difficult getting them to school. Have you any suggestions for parents, Kira, if things don't turn out to plan? Sometimes there are unexpected events in the morning. Um, so, for example, school transport changes or there's a different teacher or family life events get in the way. When this occurs, it's very difficult to both manage your own reactions plus that of your child. If you can, it's best to inform your child of the changes when there is a clear new plan in place. Sometimes that may mean something like you're going to be 30 minutes late for school today, but that is okay and you will not get in trouble. And even saying that, that this is the plan and the reassurances around that, that can be enough. After school, it is as important to manage your young person after school as it is before school. Joanne, have you any ideas about this? At the end of the school day, it is highly likely that your child is going to be emotionally dysregulated. Even though by report they have had a wonderful day, it's important to give them space after school and some downtime. Resist the urge at this time to ask them how their day has went. Allow them some time to get in, get the uniform off, get something to eat and set time aside for them to regulate. Some regulation ideas can be found in the transitional booklet. Kira, have you identified any common themes around school transitions? Every August and September, we get several calls from parents who are struggling with getting their child into school or staying in school. One of the most common questions we get is that we get our young person to the school gates and they freeze. What do I do? This is very difficult because you watch all the other children skip in, give their parents hugs and seem to do it with such ease. And sometimes that magnifies the issue that your young person is having in that morning. Best thing you can do is to remain calm and validate your young person's feelings. For younger children, having a concrete activity to get them through school, for example, having a specific role of helping the teacher, taking a note to the school receptionist or setting books out on the desk can be really helpful. Sometimes a little bit of distraction works quite well, such as talking to them about their interests or making a subtle mistake about their interest and allow them to correct you. Distraction can work well. Sometimes doing their favourite activity for a few minutes at that point can be really useful, such as looking at Pokemon cards. Another question or query that comes in frequently is that my child is refusing to go to school. What do I do? We would talk through all the strategies that we have mentioned within this podcast so far and get them into school, even if it means that they are late for school. Liaise with and communicate with school if the young person is struggling to get in and they are likely to be frequently late. I spoke to a parent recently who said their child says they're sick and can't go to school. What advice would you give in that scenario? I would start with the with the practical and the logical. Do the usual checks around taking their temperature, asking how they feel, put their hand on a part of the body where they feel pain or discomfort. And then explore that further with them, like do they have a sore stomach, are they hungry, do they need to use the toilet, and explore their thoughts with them if you can. They may comment that they are scared, they're worried about their friend not being there, or just that it's a new school day. I think it's okay to say to your child, yes, go to school, 
but if you feel worse, let your teacher know and they will contact me. Reassure them that you will let the teacher know that they are not feeling well. Is there anything else we need to consider about going back to school, Joanne? It's worth remembering that everyone will have had their own experience of school, both positive and negative. Your child's journey will be different to your own experience and help them to have as positive outlook as possible. They'll be interested in what you thought of school. So try to share stories that are relevant for your child. For example, if they're worried, you could say you felt that way too and you got through it by talking to a friend or a parent. If there were challenges learning, you could sum it up by saying, I got through that by working hard or I may not have got top marks, but I did learn. Kira, have we any takeaway tips? I think the takeaway message for our young people is that yes, they will find transition back to school challenging. And from mid-August, maybe even earlier, they will start to voice concerns. Preparation is key. Use the emotional regulation strategies to help them manage the discomfort of going back to school. Having a positive working relationship with school will enable you to work with school to refine any strategies or create motivators to encourage better school attendance. Some strategies will work better than others, depending on the child and trial and error is needed here. That's why we advise that you start this early in August. At this point, I'd like to thank you all for listening and hopefully there were some useful tips within this podcast for you. If you'd like to give any feedback on the episode, we would welcome all comments or suggestions for further podcasts. We aim to capture some feedback via Citizen Space Questionnaire and the link will be available after this podcast. And that brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you, Joanne, for your expertise in this area. And it has been a pleasure recording with you today. Thanks, Kira, And hope you all enjoyed listening to today's podcast. <laughs>